0: This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the deluxe edition network.com. You do exactly what I say, or I will take you outside and fuck you in the street. No, don't do that. Don't fuck us anywhere.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always, Ray, the podcaster. What's going on, Casey? Hey, not much, Ray. Another incredible interview today. Holy crap. Uh, this, this guy
2: has been on the forefront of environmental uh, shit since, this, like,
1: the 70s, I guess? Yep. Yeah, today we, we spoke to Ed Begley Jr. Actually, that was uh, something I didn't bring up to him, but he was actually at the very first Earth Day in 1970. Hmm. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And I actually went to see him. That's another, something else I didn't bring bring up during the interview. I actually went to see him in Washington D.C. at an Earth, like an official Earth Day convention, whatever it was. Um, he was a speaker there, and and uh, Government Mule also played there that day.
2: Well, we know why you were actually there.
1: <laughs> All right, Ed, our guest, Ed Begley Jr. You can find his products. We talk about it in the show, but he has some great cleaning products out now. Been in movies such as She-Devil, Transylvania 6-5000, uh, Lucky. He's in shows like uh, Saint Elsewhere, Living with Ed, Better Call Saul, Young Sheldon. Just a great actor. He's been in over 300 television shows and movies.
2: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, and uh, this, this was an awesome interview. Uh, you can actually see his dad's Oscar behind him, which is a first for us, our first Oscar on the show. <laughs> uh, he tells a f- very funny story about that. So check it out. Let me just do the house cleaning very quickly here. Uh, if you'd like to find our other shows, you could go over to Show, and all of our previous shows are posted over there. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you can go to Deluxe Edition Pod. And if you want to buy any t shirts of ours, we can go over to whatamaneuver.net slash collections slash deluxe dash edition. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you could go to patreon.com slash deluxe edition. Um, and we are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. And the podcast of the month is. The Return of the Living Flet. You can check Kyle out on YouTube exclusively. He does watch-alongs, uh, unboxings, interviews, all kinds of different stuff. So check Kyle out over there. And Ray?
2: And you can find me over on my other podcast, the Ten Cent Beer Night Podcast, where I do pop culture crap. I talk about Cleveland a lot, but you won't be annoyed with it, I promise you. You can get my merch over at Tee Public. And uh, I would really appreciate, though, if if some of you people become Patreons of this show, because you do get early access to all our interviews. Like You can hear this interview a week early if you're a Patreon. So at least consider it.
1: (laughs) I just sent out, as soon as we finished recording, there's a share link on the the StreamYard, and I sent it uh, directly to our patrons on Patreon. So they are already listening to this as we're recording our intro so do that for us or buy a t-shirt or at least tell your friends try and get us some more listeners yes
2: or just make a like make a comment on whatever platform you follow us on because it does help a lot
1: yeah and stop using uh as you'll find out in the interview (laughs) stop using single use plastics Ray wash. That's this. If if you've been watching <laughs> our show since the rebranding of the show, since Ray has joined the yeah. show, that's mm-hmm. the same solo cup that Ray he he still right. has the very. I've, I've same had this solo this cup.
2: red solo cup since 1984, from the first <laughs> so, party that I went to, and they handed me a cup, and I was like, "What is this?" And they said, "This will change your life," and it has.
1: He's had it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> all right ray let's get into it here it is our interview with ed begley jr let's do it well it's good to see you man you look great we're good i know we don't have uh too much time with you so we're just going to get rolling right away with it Love it. um so today i cleaned my floors uh i just picked up some of this here
0: begley thank <laughs> you thank you for trying it pal
1: Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. I've tried a lot. Like I've been uh, green, I guess, since uh, I remember seeing your show Living With Ed in uh, 2007. And that's kind of when I started going green, I guess. When I found out that you came out with this product, it was just a few weeks ago. And I just tried it. And I've tried
0: a lot of products in the past. And this is is really good stuff. You're very nice to say that. I'm very happy with it. And it's very uh, environmentally safe and and good around pets. Because, you know, you got pets crawling around the floor, putting their paws in their mouth, and kids sometimes crawling on the floor, putting their fingers in their mouth, and you don't want to have toxic whatever. So the less you can have uh, of harsh cleansers, the better. And this does a good job, and it's very clean and safe.
1: Yeah. So did you come up with this, the mixture yourself? or I did not. I met
0: a guy years ago in 2004 that had a formula he wanted to do a product with me. And I did for a while called Begley's Best, but I was, it took a lot of work. I was shipping it out of my garage. I had it stored there. I had a storage shed elsewhere too with more product. And I had to buy a pallet jack and, you know, it's hard to ship liquid around. It's expensive because it's heavy. So it was a, a real learning curve and I just got too busy to do it. Then I got involved with a company said, we saw your products. They were very good. You were a competition to us. But now we'd like to work with you, not in competition with you. And you don't have to ship it out of your garage. You don't have to own a pallet jack. We'll handle all that. you just help us vet the best formulas possible and to, you know, to also help promote it. And so that's what I do now. It's a much better deal for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we get into the rest of uh, the conversation, why, why don't you tell people where they can pick up these products?
0: Just yeah. go ed begley cleaning you know begley cleaning products go to amazon we're going to have it in chewy very soon i think it's going to be in costco soon too but if you just go to any search engine at amazon or at you know just google begley cleaning products it'll come right up
1: yeah and i i will i'll stand by this product I mean it really works good
0: you're very kind to say that thank you buddy that's so nice of you
1: and uh I want to talk about uh, your dad a little bit. He's, he kind of got you into the, the whole being an environmentalist,
0: right? He did. Without ever using the word environmentalist, he, he was one because we turned off the lights, we turned off the water and saved string and saved tinfoil. And, you know, he was the son of Irish immigrants. He had been through the Great Depression. So it's just the way I was raised. And when he died in 1970, I wanted to do something to honor him. And so uh, he, he died within just a few days of Earth Day. And so I you know, I started recycling and composting, became a vegetarian and used all biodegradable soaps. And back then, there's nothing like the cleaning products I have. So I used vinegar and water to clean glass, and I used baking soda to clean up a sink. And it was all, everything that I did riding the bike and the bus, all of it was cheap, too. Being a vegetarian was cheaper than buying meat. So every decision I made that was green for the environment was also green, for money, you know, and so uh, for saving money. So pretty soon I had enough money to buy, not just cheap things like, uh, you know, bike riding or a bus ticket, but I had, I could buy a medium ticket item, you know, like a solar oven or a rain barrel. Then pretty soon years later, many years later, I could finally afford solar, you know, in my house. And so, and that's what I urge people to do today. People say, I can't afford to buy a fancy fancy electric car like yours. Or nine kilowatts of solar. I said, Neither could I when I started. You know, you don't run up to the top of Mount Everest. You get the base camp and you get acclimated and you climb as high as you can and do what you can. But don't be put off on the scale of doing everything. Do something today.
1: Isn't there all kinds of incentives now that with uh,
0: solar panels and all that stuff too? Quite robust incentives nationwide. There's very good federal incentives and, in, in, you know, state like. Uh, California and New Jersey and I think Massachusetts, several other states, there's very good aggressive, you know, incentives at the state level too. So you can do very well getting a solar set up today because now for years, you haven't had to do what I did, which is to buy it for a lot of money back in the late eighties, you know, the mid eighties about solar, hot water, 1989 about solar electric. It was a fortune, but now you can, you'll have the same size solar as I have in my roof and you didn't put a dollar down. You won't own it. You know, if you, if you want to own it and you have the money to do so, I encourage you to do so you get those rebates, but if you don't want to own it, you can just lease it. You'll pay, you know, like $70 a month for the lease, but you'll save a hundred bucks a month on your power bill. So you're putting 30 bucks in your pocket and you're asleep. You don't have to do anything. And they're very aggressive and very vigilant about keeping the system maintained and putting out the most power why because that's how they get their money the system isn't working they're going to get a truck out there right away to fix it you know because they, that's they get their cash by whatever amount of kilowatt hours they make from the panel so it's a it's a very smart setup
1: yeah now you got your solars in the 80s have you had to change them over the years or
0: yeah i had solar hot water in my house in Ojai in 1985 that system it's been you know serviced many times and different parts have needed to be replaced but I understand it's still still working from 1985 and I've had solar in my previous home that system was working till I sold it and the solar electric too was working good I just either sold or gave away the panels when I moved today's panel's are much better than the ones I bought in the 80s are. I want to stress that because they're kind of handmade, you know, with machines, but not so much robotics. Now they're making with robotics. So they're very, very precise. Some of the connections in the earlier solar panels from good companies like Solarex, they would just, uh, they'd have a little imperfect connection, if you will, going from one cell to the others. So you can see on the back of the panel to be a little burn mark what was somebody doing, you know, burning with a cigarette, the back of the, no, it's not that. The heat comes from what? From a bad connection. You know, it's, there's resistance that's causing that burn mark. So nowadays you don't have that. There's no panel you can buy that has that kind of problem. They're made robotically quite precisely. And you don't have, they last for decades. Nobody's quite sure how long they last now because the one they started making in the late nineties, from those mid to late 90s, those will be around for 30, 40 years. And then they never really stop working. They just lose a little bit of power. In mm-hmm. like a, a decade, panels like that will lose 2 or 3%. I don't think as much as 5 And that's oh, part wow. of the warranty. If they lose like 10% in a decade, we're sorry we're sending over some new panels. We really screwed up. They oh, won't. wow. Yeah, just 10% in a decade. That's part of the warranty. 15% in two decades. They give you a new panel. That's what, That's a, you know, it varies manufacturer to manufacturer, but that's what most of them are like, something like sure. that, because they they don't have to make good on that promise because they don't lose that much power under normal conditions. And they'll survive a, a hailstorm and stuff you wouldn't imagine they could survive. They're very strong.
1: I travel for work. I'm a roofer by trade. I watch other people work now. But in California, they're putting a lot of solar panels on the Home Depots in
0: in California. And it doesn't that, seem like a lot goes goes into it. It's great when, you know, big companies like that, Home Depot do it and other people, you know, LA Unified School District is going to do more solar it on some school parking lots now. It gives you some shade and, you know, uh, big box stores. Walmart did it years ago. It's great when corporate interests and other government entities and school districts do it. My daughter, who's an environmental hero to me. I've got two great daughters and one of them works up at a place called Tree People. And she came up with this idea that we're pitching to LA Unified School District where you'd have, you swap out the diesel buses for electric and you charge them at all these, you know, you put up a lot more solar with these great federal incentives that are now to help with panels, certainly for school districts. You make every parking lot, LAUSD, school district, parking lot solar. Now they get charged You know, during the day when they're not taking kids, they pick the kids up and then at the end of the day, they drop them off. They also have at nighttime, what do they have? They're going to be fully charged or partially charged when they get back. You've got a great amount of power for emergencies in those buses, huge battery arrays. So you've got a a great battery storage area in the buses and you've got electric power safely taking kids around. It's uh, not just a twofer, it's a threefer. So I hope they see the wisdom and do it. It's a very good idea.
1: Yeah. Wow. I want to talk a little bit about electric vehicles. But before that, I want to go back to uh, your dad. He was also a reason that you got into acting. Yeah. And uh, he won, for some of our viewers, listeners, they might not know this, but uh, your dad won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Sweet Bird of Youth. Uh, I just watched 12 Angry Men last night. Uh, Great great, movie. Great movie. Could you tell us the story about your dad uh, letting you hold the Oscar for the first time?
0: Yeah, it was kind of funny. I don't think he meant to not let me hold it. I'm I'm being a little, you know, I'm trying to bend the facts with this story over the years. (laughs) Not like I never hold it, but I wasn't given it for any long period of time. I might've touched it when he wasn't looking or something. I'm not sure, but he really said here, hold this. When we were at the airport at LAX one day, we're going to fly somewhere. And he quite officially gave me the thing. And I was so nervous. I dropped it and I broke it. I thought he was going to actually kill me because he was letting people that he never met hold it, you know, and take a picture with it. He'd carried it around. He'd carried it around in the back of his car, you know, behind the, the driver's seat, you know, under the seat, he had it there safely stored. So nobody hopefully would steal it, but he had carried it around for a long time and he'd pose with people. People would say, you're Ed Begley. Can I get a picture with you? I said, sure. Let me hold on. Well, you know, want to hold the Oscar. It was fantastic. He really was, uh, he was in the unemployment line the day after he won the Oscar the next morning he was there so he could get his unemployment check. He was a real, like a factory worker dude from Hartford, Connecticut, that made it in his 40s finally as an actor.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was doing a little research on him. Uh, left Left school in the fifth grade, went yeah. into like the
0: carnivals,
1: and uh, he was in World War II, right?
0: Yep. He served the military. He worked as a short order cook. He worked at carnivals and circuses. He won a Charlie Chaplin contest when he was quite young, and he just had the bug. His father, my grandfather, was a but they call a HOD carrier, HOD. A HOD is like a V-shaped couple of pieces of wood with a pole, and you would carry up the mortar or the bricks up to the, the masons, up the scaffolding that were making a brick wall or a brick building, and he did that work. He had to be strong to do it, and he was a strong lad, apparently, from Ireland, came over in a boat from Ireland, he and his wife. Wow. County carry, and so they, uh, my dad, uh, Wanted to be an actor, and he, he, you know, did a, odds and ends for a while, and finally got successful in radio in Hartford, then radio in Manhattan in New York, then plays in New York, and then TV and films, and finally won the Oscar.
1: Yeah, and I just, I just, while we were talking here, I noticed it over your right shoulder.
0: That's right. There's Dad's Oscar.
1: <laughs> Very cool. I mentioned earlier that I travel for work. I have, for Hertz, it's called the President Circle. So I can go and get in any vehicle that I want. And uh, now in LA, at LAX, I've been seeing that they have Teslas that you can rent. Um, I heard
0: that too. I hope that's true. I'll bet it is true. It it is
1: true. I'm telling you, it's true. I've seen it. I want to rent one, but tell me, do I I need a, a lesson in anything before I...
0: No, I assume they'd give you a good primer on it uh, when they give you the car, or I can give you the primer right now. All you do is you go find supercharger near me, you know, and it'll tell you wherever you're on the San You're in the San Fernando Valley, you're in, you know, Hollywood or Wilshire District. Wherever you are, there'll be superchargers. Now you can charge it a regular, what they call a stage two charger. You know, it's a. Uh, I, I mean. Level two charger, that's 240 volt like I have in my garage. You can even charge on 110 volt, but that's that takes you forever. You know, if you're somewhere driving up to a cabin somewhere and all they have is 110 volt for charger, you can charge it there, but that's not ideal. Besides the superchargers that are like 480 volts of current and a lot of current going in, 480 volts of voltage and a lot of current to go with it. you you can uh, just charge at different malls and shops and street parking and all kinds of places with these, uh, a charge point or blink. There's a bunch of different, like there's different gas stations, there's different electrical, you know charging opportunities out there at different malls and restaurants and shops. So you can do that by just, you know, find charger near me. And if you have, if you're have the time and, and I'm sure you do, even if you don't have the time, you want to do it quickly, all the more so, you just go find supercharger near me, and that'll that'll get you charged up, you know, like 25 minutes you get most of your charge. Oh, wow. If you just have 10 minutes of a supercharger, you get another 100, 100 miles or something. Just 10 really? minutes. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. So, yeah I, mean, yeah, I know you've been driving uh, electric vehicles since like the 70s uh it was like a golf cart essentially your first one um how have uh well i know it's a huge difference from the tesla to a golf cart but over some of the other uh electric vehicles that you've had how how does the tesla compare
0: you know it was real darwinian kind of you know the fish crawling out of the, the up onto the shore of the beach and then it becomes a amphibian and then it's a Reptile, and then it's you know it's that kind of a thing. Of, I bought an electric car, so I thought in nineteen seventy, and you correctly stated what I should have known. It was a golf cart with a K, you know, with a windshield wiper and a horn. It was licensed for the California roads, but not certainly not the freeways. It went too slow. But then it got better in nineteen eighty nine. I bought a a VW Rabbit. Oh no, I had the first one. I had in more recent years, was a Subaru converter to electric. I bought that for only $1,750, not 17000 1750 and it ran. It had good tires <laughs> under it and good batteries in it. So right away, it was ahead of the deal. And then a friend, Howard Litosky, Howard Latofsky, this wonderful guy, helped me convert it for just $2,500 extra dollars. Now I'm into it for $4,200. He converted it to higher voltage, so it went on the freeway. And went further too and then i got a vw rabbit that would go like about i think that would have 55 miles of range which was a lot for me having lived with you know like 10 miles range in that little golf cart so now i had a car that would go 55 miles of range and would go on the freeway pretty fast had good pickup too and then i finally finally life got good in 1996 when i got the first ev1 that great general motors car it was only a two-seater, but it was a great car, and I had that. Now you could go, you know, like 125 miles with that, and uh, there was some chargers around, you know, paddle chargers, the old inductive paddle charge, and then then I, they were crushing those, as you might remember. They took all mm-hmm. those back. They were all on a lease basis. They wouldn't let anybody own them, and when they took those back, I quickly jumped into the uh, Toyota RAV4, which I had – from 2001 till 2014, had that for years, that was a great car. I bought that and it it ran great. Then I got a a Nissan Leaf, which had, you know, like a pretty good range, like the RAV4, that had good range. And there were even more chargers those days when I got the Leaf. And it also had a fast charge, you know, like a Chadmo uh, kind of a fast charge outlet in it, the Leaf did so I could charge up quickly at some places. And then finally, I finally got a, a TV series that was on, not just for you know a couple of episodes, but a full season. Then indeed, a second season the show, Bless This Mess, and went, I'm getting me a Tesla. <laughs> and I got a Tesla S, and I'm, I'll never look back. It's such a great car. It's amazing.
1: Awesome. I just started watching uh, Bless This Mess. A friend of mine just uh, told me about it when I told him we were doing this interview and uh what a great show I can't believe I'd, I had never heard of that before
0: it was so much fun working with Pam Greer and Dax Shepard and Lake Bell and this woman Liz Merriweather who did New Girl she wrote it with Lake Bell it was just wonderful David Kachner Lennon Parham incredible <laughs> cast and I'm still friendly with all of them I just saw Lennon the other day I talked to you know uh Pam Greer all the time and Uh, I'm very lucky to have been part of that show. It was a wonderful, wonderful show.
1: Yeah, very good show. Uh, Ray, I'm sorry. I've been hijacking the uh, conversation Uh, here.
2: I tell you, these are my favorite interviews because I don't have to do anything. I just sit here and (laughs) listen to to two people having a great conversation. But uh, no, uh, I absolutely loved Future Man. And I hated that it only got three seasons.
0: Yeah, I loved it, loved it. I love Seth and, you know, all those guys that just... uh, Wonderful, wonderful cast in that. Great writers. And I did it for a while with the great Glenn Headley, this wonderful actress who's a dear friend of mine. She sadly passed. so well, that was probably one of the many reasons they decided to focus on things other than his, his family, you know, from the past. Yeah. And so, uh, but I'm very grateful for the episodes I did have on that. It was great to be in and great to watch. I, I'm a fan of the show. I just loved it.
2: Any chance you can bug them to maybe get it to come back? You know, maybe put a bug in their ear. Because I, I, I think there's some untapped uh, comedy gold in that thing
0: yet. I think so, too. Well, well we talked to... Uh, while we're good.
1: We talked to Patrika Darbo last week, and she said that uh, the soaps, for, for the soap operas, people would write in, yeah. so maybe we could start
0: a petition. You know what? Bring, we should do that. Bring it back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Count me in. I'll write a letter, too. Yeah. you
2: also uh you work with uh christopher guest quite a bit i'm so
0: lucky to know him i've known him since the 70s i was friendly with a lot of people at the national lampoon and he was part of that great uh album called the national lampoon radio dinner album like a tv dinner but radio was a very clever cover and great comedy gold on the album it was just wonderful and then i got to meet him through his sister Alyssa guest and do some people at the Lampoon, and I told him what a fan I was. And so he uh, included me in a few things he did early on. So I was in Spinal Tap. I was a drummer in that and worked mm-hmm. on a couple of the other comedy shows that he worked on. Then he did this brilliant movie called Waiting for Guffman. I was over the moon and just so happy to know a guy would do a movie like that. But then the second one, he goes, for Best in Show, I got a part for you, too. You want to be in the desk clerk? I said, Absolutely. And I've been very lucky to be in everyone since. So,
2: so, so does that mean you're going to be in the new Spinal Tap Part Two? Well, Is I died, died in a bizarre
0: gardening accident, so I don't think I can come back. Uh, I don't think I'm coming back from the dead.
2: Ah, uh, that's right. You were you were a drummer. You didn't make it out of that movie.
0: That's right. Uh, well,
1: it's. I'm sure that he can. He'll fill uh, or write another character for you to uh, fill. That's
2: True.
0: Happily, I'll do craft service in any <laughs> movie he's doing. He's the best.
1: Yeah.
2: And I also loved you in Better Call Saul. Uh, another oh, great show another that you were great part show. of.
0: My yeah. God, was that terrific. Six incredible years. Yeah. Best people. Ray Seahorn, you know, Jonathan Banks, Patrick Fabian, you know, just incredible. Uh, I just, I just love the show. Bob Odenkirk, too. He's a great writer. Not just a great actor. He's a great writer. Wrote on Saturday Night Live. Uh He's just amazing, prolific writer and actor. Dear guy.
1: Uh, Could you, (laughs) I know we're all over the place here, and I'm not sure how much time we have uh, with you. Anthony said uh, you only had about 25 minutes. So is recycling still as good as it was when people first started doing it? I've heard you say recently that it's not what we once thought it was.
0: Well, it was really kind of bad back in 1970 in that you had to drive a long distance. There was no curbside pickup at all. You had to drive a long distance. I did my electric car, so I wasn't polluting on the way there and back. But it was a long drive to the recycling center. They only took newspaper, uh, amber, clear, and green glass, you know, like bottles and like aluminum or tin cans. Those were the three things. Oh, plastic milk jugs. They take those not other kinds of plastic, just the milk jug plastic. And then it expanded. They had curbside pickup. They started taking not just, you know, aluminum and metal, but cardboard and paper and, of course, still newspaper. Then they started taking different resins, like number one, plastic polyethylene, terephthalate. Number two, high-density polyethylene. Number three, four, five, and six, often six is styrofoam. And they were actually doing things with a lot of it, most of it even for a while then it they just ran out of there was not enough market for the the recycled materials not enough people were making new things out of it and if you're not buying recycled you're not really recycling you're it's like hitting a a baseball into the bleachers and running to second base run all the way home complete a circle and buy recycled then you're creating a market for it so we would buy all these goods from China, a lot of the different things for Walmart or Costco that we buy, big container ships, drop those containers. And on the way back, they would fill them up with plastic a lot of the time. But people wouldn't sort it properly. People wouldn't clean it properly. It'd be dangerous for people to work around with the pathogens and the funk and the, They, you know, it became messy. And they finally you know, recycling other e-waste electronic materials with lead and cadmium and, you know, all kinds of dangerous metals and toxins. People started getting sick in Indonesia and in China where they were recycling the e-waste and all these plastics. So they went, enough already. We're not taking your garbage anymore. And so when that happened, the market for plastic nearly ended. There's very few people now, buying those resources of the recycled plastic they still recycle some of it but a lot of it you sort it put it in your trash bin and then it winds up just going in the trash later Mm -hmm. people said that i said no no i followed the truck and i i did a psa and we saw where the truck went and went they might have done that that day for me and maybe for a while they're doing it that way but that's not the way it is anymore they recycle what they can of the plastic now having said that the cardboard really does get recycled Unless some chowder head leaves like a whole pizza slice hanging out of the box. (laughs) Then they'll see a whole, a whole bale of cardboard. And the guy that's buying it sees a pizza slice hanging out. They go, they'll nix the whole load. Take that back. Go put that in the trash. I don't want, we can't, that's too much work for us, but they definitely take aluminum. It's definitely much less energy to mine aluminum in the streets and the alleys of the United States. than it is to go to mine box site and bring it back here and, use all the energy to make new aluminum. It's simply cheaper and better. Same thing with steel. 67% of all steel that you buy, a steel frying pan or a steel chassis in a car, it was a frying pan before it was a car and it was a car before it was a frying pan. You know, whatever you, a hammer, whatever you're making. Steel is very recyclable. That's why they got those big magnets at junkyards and stuff. And uh, yeah, cardboard, paper, they recycle a lot of that. And but the re- the different plastics not so much, so that's just all they,
1: pretty much going into a recycling landfill now, right?
0: Yeah, they they recycle what they can of some of the resins that have some value to make you know like a plastic ruler. People make plastic things you know out of recycled plastic, or those kind of you know like uh, car stops in a parking lot. You know mm-hmm. they make them out or different uh, a product they call Trex which is good for like decking and stuff. Cause yep. it lasts forever because it's plastic. Yeah. you know, And so that's the problem with plastic. It becomes the asset with plastic when you make, you know, like decking out of it lasts a long, long time. So they, if you don't buy recycled, you're not really recycling. We need to put more incentives out there for companies to use recycled materials. So they don't just pick it up at our curbs as we sort it all and do all that stuff, you know, Well, we don't sort it anymore. We used to have to sort the different numbers. Now they sort it at what they call a MRF or materials recovery facility. And having sorted it, I think think a lot of it just goes in a landfill, I'm afraid.
1: Wow. I've always had this argument with, I heard this somewhere, I don't know how many years ago. If you do recycle and you throw it in the recycling bin with the cap on, like a plastic bottle, like a water bottle <clears throat> right that they just they'll just throw it in the trash is that is that true like is the cap not it was effective? true
0: it was true then they found a way in the process to use that resin which is different or more dense or something they found a way so then they went no no leave them on it was do do not leave them on for a decade then about a decade ago it went yes you can leave them on we'll recycle the cap with it all But they keep used to be you have to pull out like a glazing envelope, an envelope with a little plastic window in it. I used to pull all those off because I heard correctly from different people who actually recycle the material. They said, you know, we just throw all that shit away because it got the glazing window. We just want the paper. So I started pulling that off. And I went, no, no, don't do that anymore, because now we do blah, blah, blah. (laughs) The rules change all the time. But the new rule, most people know because they've seen it in the papers that New York and L.A. Times, many other papers there's a fraction of the market for recycled plastics that there was in the past because the people in Indonesia and in China have had enough and they don't want to take our trash anymore.
1: It's just probably all piling up there as well, right?
0: Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. So the best thing with plastic, you want to, you got a a bathtub that's overflowing and leaking. You want to get a mop. You want to do this. You want to do that. But the first thing you should do is turn off the tap. So it doesn't keep flowing. Stop buying single use plastic. That's the best thing you can do. I think it's good to make things like these out of plastic, plastic eyeglasses. They last decades or more, you know, if you treat them right. Th- things like that, that's fine. But single-use plastic, let's all stop doing that. Straws and cups and all that. Get an aluminum cup, get a steel cup, get a metal straw, get a little brush. You can clean it out so you don't get sick from funking your straw. And I haven't, you know, taken plastic, single-use plastic in quite a while. It's possible to live without it.
1: Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend still buys it. I'm, I Look, realized you, that after
0: I held this up. You, I was you're like,
2: throwing I your girlfriend have. under the bus for that, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I have people in the in my household, I won't name who, and they they regularly purchase single-use plastic, is all I'll say.
2: I'll use my, my same red Solo cup for a week. You just rinse it out. Give it a little clean.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, another movie that uh, we love you and Ed is The In-Laws. Oh, um, I love that movie. What a great movie. Awesome movie. Hey, guys, this is Ron. Do you like movies? Hey, guys, this is Ragnar. Do you like alcohol? Hey, guys, this is Stu. Do you like punishments? Hey, guys, this is Chase. You want to hear me get the alcohol poisoning?
2: Hey, guys, this is Lenny. Ever wonder what a spicy boner is? If so,
1: come on down to Barrel H Flicks and give us a listen. Could you could you tell us a little bit about uh, Peter Falk, working with him?
0: And, and uh, Alan Arkin? Yeah. I worked first with Peter on Columbo. I did a Columbo. I had a small part. I played a, uh, like a animal control officer or something that I helped with some clues and information about these dogs that Nicole Williamson had. And he was a killer. And so, uh, I had a nice little part in that. And then I got a job on the in-laws in Cuernavaca, Cuernavaca, Mexico. And to work with Peter Falk and Alan Arkin, two guys that I admired, beyond words it was just heaven on earth I just thought I had died and gone to heaven they were so nice to me too we became friendly you know I knew Peter a little before but Alan Arkin befriended me I worked with him a few times over the years always great he's been to my home for a meal in the past Alan has and I think Peter yeah Peter came by too for a meal one day Peter and I had the same birthday September 16th that we'd share that together often with his wife, Shara, my wife, Rochelle. uh, But working on The In-Laws was just heaven. It just was such a funny movie. Andrew Bergman wrote the script, and it was just uh, the best comedy I'd been at that point in my life, and I was elated to be part of it. Great movie. Yeah,
1: really, really good movie. Let's see. Oh, could you tell us a story about... Getting pulled out of the bar by John Belushi uh, trying to outdrink Harry Nielsen.
0: Oh, yeah. The Harry Nielsen thing <laughs> was uh, I made the mistake of trying to outdrink him. That was on another occasion. But this time I was out trying to outdrink a guy named Shorty George Smith, who was Jack Nicholson's kind of uncle, father figure guy. And he was on this movie going south with me, but we had lots of days off because we were just secondary and third tier. Characters, so we were in the the bar at the El Presidente Hotel in Durango, Mexico, and we were. He liked to hoist a few too, so I decided I'd outdrink Jack Nicholson's Uncle Shorty George, and uh, that was a big mistake. But fortunately, John Belushi was such a good pal. He came and he and Judy dragged me out of the bar. Said, "You're going to see some of the town. You're killing yourself. You got to, you know." You got to sober up. He was a a great influence on me. John was.
1: uh, Belushi couldn't hang with Ed Begley Jr.?
0: Yeah, I was too wild for John.
1: (laughs) That's incredible.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I heard you in that interview, I heard you mention uh, Forrest Tucker, how he had a cane with
0: whiskey in it. He did. I did a show called Bobby Joe and the Big Apple Good Time Band with seasoned Hubley and with... um, is that a picture of Forrest Tucker up there? No, this is this is a cane filled with whiskey. Oh my God! Fantastic! <laughs> That's great. I was—it's uh, a before. replica
1: of uh, Evil Knievel's cane.
0: Oh wow, that makes sense. He would have one. <laughs> but Forrest Tucker had his golf. It was yeah, it was a TV pilot. Bobby Joe and the Big Apple Good Time Band. Cecil Hubley, Robert Walden, me, John Bennett Perry. Uh, oh boy. There's another guy in it. He was a very famous actor at the time. I'll think of his name in a minute. Forgive me. But we did that. And uh, he had the car. Forrest Tucker kept that little cart. He had a golf cart, but not to go around the streets of LA to just go around the lot. And more importantly than getting around the lot in the golf cart for transportation, it had a full bar in the back of it. <laughs> in the back of the golf cart was a full, you know, fairly full for big enough to fit in the golf cart and then sometimes he'd be away from the golf cart, golf cart for a while I'd go, how's he still staying high he's still pretty hammered you know how's he doing that and then i caught him he turned away for a second to clear his throat and he unscrewed the top of the cane take a poke off it and then he finish his scene but he was uh he had a thirst he liked the gargle that's all i'll say
1: Well, it wasn't uncommon for uh, when you're filming, if there was a a drinking scene that everyone's actually drinking, right?
0: Yeah, they would drink real liquor in a drinking scene. And it was not frowned upon. People would, you know, not only just drink on a movie, but get high, you know, with the director, with the producers. And I did a few movies in the 70s, you know, uh, Blue Collar and other movies that I did uh, where it was not, You know, it later became, if you're wired, you're fired. But that wasn't the case in the 70s. A a good book to read would be that uh, Easy Rider's Raging Bulls book is wonderful about all that, all the insanity that went on, some of those sets. But people still did good movies and they, you know, somehow lived to tell the tale. I somehow did. I don't know how I did, but (laughs) I did.
1: Yeah, we talked to uh, Bo Svensson a few weeks ago. He was on the set. he, He was in North Dallas 40 with Nick Nolte. Yeah. And he told us, I think they, they were spending $15,000 a week on cocaine sure. during the filming of that movie.
0: I'm not surprised.
1: It yeah. was the budget. <laughs> it's amazing that
0: any of that stuff got done, because
1: I've done cocaine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy time. I. I, you know i i drank a lot i did drugs and somehow made it through it i even operated a vehicle how i how i didn't kill anybody is a miracle so i'm just grateful to be here and be sober since 1979. oh great awesome okay. ray am i missing anything here
2: no i think we pretty much nailed everything important now is All there right. just any like uh weird crap you want to ask him casey
1: yeah we have a, a couple well one fan question here i found this very interesting uh, he's from um, a podcast on our network. The, he's from The Real Drunks. Uh, Matt Marlowe, he said, ask Ed if he ever plays the George Harrison's 1968 custom Fender Telecaster Rosewood guitar played on the rooftop concert and in the Let It Be movie. Uh, what, it, what is it like to have that uh, being such a huge part of music and Beatles history?
0: I have the good fortune to have been friends with all four of the Beatles and, uh, and, uh, very lucky that I'm still friendly with Ringo. And I know Paul very little, but I know him a bit and admire him greatly, but I knew John and I knew George. So, uh, Olivia, his widow is a friend of mine and I know the family. And there was a a guitar that came up for auction and, uh, I'll just say I I was able to be a liaison. I only had the guitar for 15 minutes, but the guitar is in the hands of the people that should have it. It's all I'll say. Oh, awesome. was just a, uh, I got a cell phone and I got a, a limit of how much to spend or something or instructions about what I should bid. And I did that and I'm very happy that the family has it.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So I go back to your Living with Ed show. I remember watching that when it came on. I forget what it was like on a a green channel that they were trying to do. I forget what it was, but the guy that I used to work for roofing, after we saw your show in the basement of his shop, we cut a giant hole in the, like we, we made the one door much wider and we put, I think it was like a thousand gallon tank in the back room. And it now collects all of the rainwater on his hat from his house and it flushes the toilets and all in throughout his house.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Very That's cool. That's so great. My tank is ten thousand gallons now. I, the know, I,
1: I saw the that I saw that on uh something I was watching the other day. Uh it's amazing. And then we just have one final comment here from uh Terry <coughs> Feltman. Uh, Watching your show, Living with Ed, is what inspired me to be more conscious of our personal impact on the environment. We compost, use rainwater collection, keep the backwoods for nature's friends, and continue to lower our trash and recycling. We are trying to stop using any plastic at all.
0: I love these folks. Tell them thanks so much and keep it up. We need to do a lot to protect the wonderful web of life that supports us all. You know, We're here because... Most people have been environmentally conscious over our long history. People have made big mistakes in the past, but we've been more smart than not smart with the environment. We got to get back to that, to where we work with nature, the way indigenous peoples have for centuries and, and millennia and, uh, and do more of that. It's possible. We can do it. There's it's not jobs or the environment it's jobs and the environment. So that's where we need to head. All of us do our part and corporations do their part and government, do its part we can we can make a lot of good changes absolutely and uh, before we get to
1: the plugs I have, I have a special request to put you on the spot But could you do your Peter Falk impression for us
0: could I ask you something that movie The In-Laws okay Alan Arkin was in the movie he was wonderful there was a guy that played a CIA thing or something. He was a total pain in the ass. What the hell was his name? What? Begley. That's the guy. Oh, I think he owed me $55. Unbelievable. That's. I love <laughs> Peter so much. He was the greatest. He always used to give me a hard uh, time. And I loved him for it. Thank that's you, Ed. Him. Thank you.
1: That was awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, plugs. Where can people find you? Uh, one more time, where people can buy the, the products. All that stuff.
0: Just go to Ed Begley cleaning products at Amazon or at uh, Google search, whatever your search engine engine is. And it's uh, Ed Begley Jr. for Junior at Ed, Ed Begley Jr. for Twitter, EdBegley.com. There's a website, of course. Just go EdBegley.com. So, thank you for having me on, and thank your listeners for their great questions and the great promises to do good things environmentally, what they have done and what they intend to do. And same to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yes, you, sir. Ed. We appreciate it, man. Yep. Have a great evening. You too.